He woke up that morning in his bed of luxury and silks, opened his eyes, having no idea that this would be the last day of his life. But the thought that came to him when he first woke up, the urgency was what was preoccupying him every day. I wonder what that jerk on the other side of the palace is doing today. This man had been emperor of the Roman Empire for 99 days. Oh, he was qualified. In fact, he had been a victorious general. He had been a successful governor of more than one province. He had been a senator. And in a national emergency in which this barbarian king was crushing the empire for three years, he, he actually was victorious with his colleagues, two others that were raised up as well. But every day, all he can think about is the urgency of his hatred towards this other man. He had a major character flaw. I suppose I should tell you his name. This was Emperor, actually, okay, so I'm gonna only say his name once because, but I promise you this is how his name is pronounced. You can Google it. Emperor Pupianus. Yes, okay. You can take that picture down. I know, it's like, what was his mom thinking? But in Latin, it didn't mean that. She didn't know what it would mean in English. Don't be so hard on her. But this emperor had a colleague that lived on the other side of the palace. His name was Emperor Balbinus. This is what he looks like. And they didn't get along. So you know how it goes with a toxic relationship. He's like, I told him never to text me again, well, never to scroll me again. Well, he didn't scroll you this morning, sir. What? I wonder what he's thinking about. I wonder what he's doing. Well, let me write a scroll right now to tell him exactly why I don't want him to scroll me You know, this is, this is how he lived his days. And what was happening is the urgency of the toxicity of this relationship was overcoming other things that, I don't know, I think might be important, things he was putting in the back burner, like the army, the enemies of Rome, internal revolts, the economy, taxes. How about like the grain shipments that were supposed to get to the cities and feed everyone? He was ignoring all these things, these important things, because of the urgency of what was on his mind. So he had these two colleagues, Balbinus, and then there was this 13-year-old emperor that was also raised up, but he didn't care about him, he was 13. All of his efforts were focused so much on this other guy that eventually people got sick of it. On the 99th day of his rule, a group of people, mostly in the army, said, that's it, that's enough, we're killing these dudes, and they marched on the palace. When our emperor of the unfortunate name found out, he finally talked with his colleague about what to do about it, 
But of course, they couldn't figure it out together because they hated each other. And when the assassins burst into the room, they were still arguing. Like I said, it was the last day of his life, the last day of both of their lives. The 13-year-old became emperor. Actually, he was a much better emperor than the other two guys. The point of this story is, don't let what is urgent in your mind overcome what is truly important. In fact, we could say that the moral of the story is, I'm gonna need your help with this one because I said I was only gonna say his name once, so I need you to say it for me, okay? Don't be a, thank you. All right, so I think we, uh, I think we should probably pray now. <laughs> Father, we wanna thank you for your word. We wanna thank you that all that is good and right and fulfilling in life, you have made known to us through your revelation. We ask that you would anoint and prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wanna just say hello to those of you right now who are watching us online from all over the world and included in all of you who are watching online are some ladies that are watching at the Pinellas County Jail. God bless you. You're part of our family. Thank you for being part of our family. We are in a series right now this month. We've been looking at ways that God is remodeling us to choose good things over not so good things. Pastor Glenn, he's been bringing it this month, hasn't he? Yes, he has. I know you're like me, I love my pastor. What he shared was in week one, purpose over popularity. We need to choose what God wants for us over what people think of us. Week two was surrender over control. And he gave the example of Abram and Sarai who had a promise from God, but they chose to take things into their own hands instead of surrendering it to him. And it led to difficulty because whenever we surrender something to God, he brings beauty from it. But when we try to control something ourselves, it always leads to misery and anxiety and disappointment. Week three last week was discipline over regret. Discipline is choosing what we want most over what we want now. And today, we learn that God is remodeling us to choose important over urgent. But, okay, Pastor Tim, aren't urgent things important? Not always. Sometimes there is a distinction. For example, let's say that you are running a business and you hear that at the counter there's a customer that's very angry and they're pounding their fists on the counter and they need satisfaction. Well, that's urgent, right? But creating systems in your company to prevent customer dissatisfaction and making sure their needs are met, that's important. Okay, so another example. If you're driving your car along and the engine explodes, and you need to get pulled over, you need to get emergency services, you need to get it fixed, well, that's urgent. But if the reason the engine exploded is because you never changed the oil, 
Changing the oil regularly in the car is important, right? Okay, we all, sometimes we get sick, and if you're sick to the extent that you need to see the doctor, that's urgent. If it's after hours, they even have urgent care. It's urgent. But taking care of our bodies and the way we eat and the way we live so that it's healthy, so that we get sick less often, that's important. So this is what God is speaking to us today is in the spiritual things and the things that really matter in our lives, reorienting our lives so that we always put important over urgent. I like, there's a fellow named Charles E. Hummel, and he wrote this book years ago called Tyranny of the Urgent. And one of the quotes from that book I love, it says, your greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out the important things. And there's a great example from the Bible that we can turn to. And the example that we're talking about, it happened a couple hundred years before that emperor of ours. There's a pair of sisters who were friends of Jesus, and the sisters' names are Mary and Martha. They also had a brother named Lazarus that was friends with Jesus, but he's not in this story, so we'll talk more about him another time. But Luke records what happens when Jesus pays a visit to these sisters in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. We read, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Can everyone say distracted? Yes, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So Martha was consumed by, you know, making the place presentable, getting the expensive candle out, you know, the one that smells real good, the one that smells like cotton sheets flapping in the crisp sea breeze in the early morning sun, I don't know, whatever the name of that candle is. She's gotta get that out and she's gotta get all the, the fixings for the meal. There's tea, you know, there's cucumber sandwiches, sardines, fig cookies, and where's Mary? I mean, this is urgent. Jesus, that Jesus is here in our home and Mary is just sitting there listening to his stories. So I want you to think for a moment in your mind. What do you think was the biggest thing, biggest complaint that Martha was having at that moment? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is she was upset because she needed help. But actually the text suggests otherwise when she speaks. It wasn't the preparations that were foremost on her mind, it was her irritation with her sister. The Lord Jesus is just a few feet away and all Martha can think about is Mary not setting out the silverware. Martha was in fact, she was acting like a, 
She was acting like an unfortunately named emperor of Rome. Let's continue, Luke chapter 10, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary chose the important over the urgent. And Jesus was not about to let Martha reorder Mary's correct priorities. Mary, Mary knew that nothing was more important than spending time with Jesus. So let's talk a moment about what important is. I'm gonna give you a working definition for important. This is not in your notes or on the screen, but you can write it down on the paper if you want or put it in a notes app in your phone. It's a really good definition of important. Important equals only that which will matter a million years from now. Only that which will matter a million years from now. And for those of you that might be tempted to say, well, nothing's gonna matter a million years from now, I beg to differ. I'm gonna give you three things that will matter very much a million years from now that are daily part of your life. The first thing that will matter is time with Jesus and time serving Jesus. The time you spend with Jesus in both individual and corporate prayer, oh, that matters so much to him, it will never fade. The time you spend, the time that you put on the altar to serve him, at church to serve him by helping the homeless, by feeding the hungry, maybe at helping hands, that will never fade away. It matters, it's important, it'll matter a million years from now, or 10 million, or a billion. The second thing, you can write, my family. Your family is going to matter. The love, the peace, the grace, the wisdom that you share with your children, with your spouse, oh, will that ever matter a million years from now. And the third thing you can write is, my calling, my calling because every one of us in this room has a special purpose that God has called each one to. And also lots of purposes every day. And fulfilling that will have eternal value. Your calling, your family, your time with Jesus, and your time serving Jesus. But here's the thing is that we can get distracted. At least I don't know, I can get distracted. Maybe, maybe I'm the only one, but we get distracted because there are so many distractions that happen around us. Here's an example of an urgent distraction. Let's say you're driving down 19, okay? And there's a lot of traffic, it's kind of crazy, and suddenly you get a very urgent text. So if urgent is the priority, then you return the text but that's not the important thing. 
The important thing is not endangering the lives of yourself, those in your car, and those all around you. The important thing is to drive. And that's like our life. What is important must take precedence over what is urgent. It's on a slightly different note. Um, uh, there's an example that happened a couple of months ago with my wife, Thalia. How many of you have ever had the pleasure of meeting my wife, Thalia? Isn't she the sweetest thing? She is. She is just the sweetest thing. You know, before this message, she said to me, you know, every time you talk about me, you don't have to tell everyone that I look like Tinkerbell. And I said, okay, I won't say it this time. And I didn't. I was just talking about our conversation, right? So she was here in first service. She thought that was funny. All right, so a couple of months ago, she's leaving the dollar store. She goes to her car, and she looks. Before she gets in the car, everything in her mind gets wiped away except the urgency of what she sees, and that's all these little scratches along the side of the car. Now, she had just had the car washed. So immediately what comes to her mind is, what happened at the car wash? What do I do? I don't think I can get anything. Is this a thing with insurance? What's, this is bad. But she gets in the car, and as she sits in the car and looks at the windshield, the windshield's all scratched up. Oh, and now she's just overwhelmed by the urgency of what am I gonna do? What's my husband gonna say? What, you know, what am I gonna say to him? This car wash he told me to go to is terrible. And then so she goes, she goes to start the car and she presses the button, nothing. She looks in her purse, she's got the keys. It's like, you know, then it begins to dawn on her. Maybe this isn't my car. And this was confirmed by the very wide-eyed older man who was standing there. And in fact, if you're that man and you're watching right now, I just wanna thank you for not overreacting. My wife was not trying to steal your car. Her car was actually a couple over. But you see how the urgency of what she saw at the moment overwhelmed what was important, which was, is this actually my car or not? I'll give you another example. When I was putting this message together, right at that point in the message, I had to come up with a good illustration. So it was urgent, right? I mean, it's come, you know, Saturday, Sunday's coming up. So I thought this is the perfect illustration about my wife in this car, that's urgent. What's important is asking her permission to tell the story. <laughs> Which I did, everything's good. I want you to know, she's very happy. Okay, what I'd like you to do is look at your notes. You'll see there, there's a question. I want you to take a moment and think about this and write it down. The question in your notes is, what's the most important thing you've been distracted from pursuing? What's the most important thing you've been distracted from pursuing? It really brings it home, doesn't it, when we think about that? Well, I'm going to give you three ways that I think are really going to help make a difference in choosing the important. Three different things that all of us can integrate into our lives. The first thing I recommend is create personal deadlines. Create personal 
deadlines. This is what I mean. I think every one of us needs to put a timer on the urgent so that we can focus on the most important things. So one of, one of the things that, that I had to kind of put in order is that when I preach a message, I, I just like to go all in on preparation. And if I'm not careful, it's 30, 40, 50 hours and I'm still trying to make it perfect and working with illustrations and researching the Greek and all this. And, and that's very nice. But there's also an organization to run. There's meetings to have. There's a lot of work that needs to get done. There's other ministries that need attention. And I do have a family. I've got some very important things. You spend 50 hours, you, can't, you still gotta do all the other stuff. So what I did was put a timer and said, listen, Tim, you've got a message. This doesn't count rehearsal time. We can, that's extra. But you've got 12 hours. You've got 12 working, focused hours to put it together. Because what this does is it really helps you to focus and get things done in a better way. It's a deadline. How about cleaning the house? How many of you ever is like, oh, you know what? I'm going to clean this house. This house, top to bottom, Maybe it's a family thing, we're gonna clean this house. And what happens a lot of times when you do that is you get started and the more you clean, the more you find, oh, that has to be cleaned. And oh, I didn't even think about this. Look at this. Look under the refrigerator, it's just awful. So you end up, it just kind of snowballs. And you can take an entire week's vacation cleaning the house and they're still not satisfied with it. So what I recommend is instead do, okay, it's cleaning day, we're all in here, three hours. Whatever we get done in three hours, we're stopping. It doesn't matter if we could still change the shelf paper in you know, three hours. Because what happens then is the urgent doesn't become a tyrant in your life. You can still do other good things in your life that are far more important. So one of the objections is, well wait, if I put a deadline, isn't it gonna make me hurry and rush? It's an oddest thing that when you do this and put a personal deadline on something, you aren't hurrying. You're focused, it's actually more relaxing because you know that it's not gonna take forever. It's only up to a certain amount of time. You end up actually getting more done. Hurrying is the enemy of getting things done. Hurrying sucks up our time. I like what G.K. Chesterton said when he wrote, one of the great disadvantages of hurry is that it takes such a long time. <laughs> you notice that. The second thing that we can do to choose important over urgent is to be ruthlessly selective in your yeses. Be ruthlessly selective. So I'm gonna list some things, whether it's a definite yes or maybe not such a definite yes. How about time with Jesus? I think that's a yes. Time with Jesus, I, yeah, I can be as selective as I want, that's a yes because he treasures every drop of time with him. How about Serving Jesus by serving at church. That kind of goes together with it. That's time with Jesus. It's eternal. It's one of the important things. I can say yes to that. That's where a lot of joy in everyone's life comes from. Time with family. That's a yes. 
Absolutely yes. I would suggest immediate family first. And you know, we can include in family those that God has put in our lives that are like family. You know, there are people in your life and my life that we've kind of, not formally, but we've adopted as brothers or sisters. They're important, they're a yes. How about this? Doing something to impress people. I think that we gotta be careful about that yes. You know, if we're not careful, we can spend our whole lives doing something that impresses others but it's not really something God has called us to do. How about doing something that other people expect but they're not actually important? Kind of like joining a club that I have no interest in <laughs> because they say, oh, you should join this club. You're, you're part of you know, this, you should be in this club. And you know, we have meetings you know, twice a month. I know it's during your family time, but you gotta be in the club. I would say no to the club, especially if it's something I have no interest in. How about spending time with every single person on the planet? This is a hard one for me because I love people. I'm an extrovert. I see good in people. I, there, I connect with people. I want to spend time with everyone. The issue is there's 10 billion people here on the planet. It's not possible to spend time with everyone. It's not rational. So we doesn't mean we don't do it, it just means we have to be very selective in our yeses. This is in your notes. This is a statement that might change your life. You know how important something is to you by how much of your life you are willing to exchange for it. You know how important something is to you by how much of your life you're willing to exchange for it. Have you ever asked someone, not in church, when you ask somebody in church how you're doing, it's usually, oh, praise God, I'm getting through, God's doing great things. But when you ask somebody just at work or whatever, or your neighbor, so how are things going? Busy. Oh, I'm busy, just very busy. Lots of busy. You never hear anybody say, you know, I've got my priorities ordered so well that I'm just relaxed and chill. Thank you, how are you? Nobody ever says that. This busy, crazy, overwhelmed, running around. And for two reasons they say that. One of the reasons is I think it's like a protective wall so that you don't ask them to do something, right? I'm busy. But another reason is it's like a badge of honor. It's like if you're busy, then you're going, then, you know, you're important, good things are happening to you. But that's not necessarily true. Busyness does not necessarily equal productivity. Busyness does not necessarily equal meaning, and busyness does not necessarily equal fulfillment. It doesn't. Now, the third thing can help us is this. Do first what matters most. Do first what matters most. Remember that rule, the important things are things which will matter in a million years. So maybe you're a single parent today, and what God has called you to do, among other things, is to pour into the lives of your young children. But you can't, because you're too busy with maybe it's a toxic relationship that is not going anywhere. But that toxic relationship is not gonna matter in a million years. But your kids will. Put your family first. 
Or maybe you have been called to serve in the kids' area on a Sunday once a month. You know it, but you're too busy because that's the time you're cleaning the garage. Or maybe you've been called to serve on a Wednesday night sometimes here at the high school ministry, but you're too busy staying late at work. I promise that the extra files that you managed to get through or the additional sale that you made is not going to matter in a million years. But that kindergartner who came to Christ on a Sunday morning, or that 10th grader who turned their life around because of something you said to them on a Wednesday night, that will matter a million years from now. Put serving Jesus first. Amen. Maybe you've been called also to an area of creativity. Maybe you've been called to write, for example. Maybe that means classes and practice and years of training and some rejection from publishers, but you know, all of that's great, but you're just so busy with the house and the yard and the neighbor's pets. I promise that the dust on the coffee table won't matter in a million years, but that sentence that you wrote that spoke to somebody on the other side of the world and changed their life, that's going to matter forever. Put your calling first, put your calling first. So the money that you've earned, it's not gonna matter. But everything you gave for the cause of Christ will never fade. The respect that you earned it's not going to matter in a million years. But the respect and love and grace you gave out, oh, that is going to matter so, so much. The time that you spent satisfying your impulses, are gonna, it's just gonna vanish, but the time you spend with Jesus will never vanish because he treasures that. So think of Martha and Mary. Martha, so focused on urgent things that aren't important, pretty table, nice variety of treats, but she was missing out on the table that Jesus had prepared for her, the food that would satisfy her soul. Mary, on the other hand, listens to Jesus and receives this eternal banquet. She chooses the important Going back to the words of Jesus from Luke 10, 42, let's reprise this. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Oh, we're, we're under construction. And this is his remodel in our hearts and in our lives to reorder our priorities in such a way that we live out the purpose that he has planned for us to receive the joy and the peace that come from it by putting what's important always over what is urgent. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Nobody looking around, just for a moment, bow your heads. I wanna speak to those of you who are listening, and this makes a lot of sense, but the most important thing must be addressed first, and that is that you never have fully given your life over to Jesus, asked for his forgiveness, you don't have that personal relationship with him that comes after that. I wanna to say to you this morning that today could very well be your day.
I believe God has you here for a reason and this could be it. I want you to know that all of us have sinned. All of us have messed up. We've made mistakes. But the thing is, the Bible definitely does not say how heaven works as God weighs the good and the bad and then just figures out which is more. That's not how it works. In the Bible, God is perfect. Heaven is perfect. And no imperfection can stain heaven because that would make it last forever. That kind of means we're all sunk because we're imperfect. So this was God's amazing plan because he loves us so much even though we're imperfect. He came himself in the person of his own eternal and beloved son, lived the perfect life as a human being, and then died to take the punishment that we deserve on himself to exchange his perfect life for our imperfect one. And God made it, raised him from the dead so that through the life that spreads out all over the earth that all it takes is I receive the gift that you're offering for free, God. And it is free, it's undeserved. No strings, it is grace. And then along with it, he provides the life and the power to live a life that glorifies him. All that it takes is to say yes to Jesus. So some of you are in that position, I've never done that, but I'd like you to pray for me, Pastor Tim. So I'm not gonna ask you to stand up, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything, embarrass you, but with everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes closed, if you want me to keep you in my prayers for this, my wife and I will pray before we go to bed tonight for you. When I count to three, I just want you to slip your hand up, okay? And then as soon as I see it, you can put it right back down. One, two, and three. Raise your hand if you want me to keep you in my prayers. Yes, I see your hand in yours, and yours, and yours, and yours, and yours, yes. And yours, thank you, and yours, ma'am, thank you. I see your hand back there in the middle section. I see your hand, yes. And yours, and yours, and yours, thank you. I see your hand. And over to my left now, I see your hand, sir, yes. And yours, and yours, and yours, and yours, and yours. It's hard to see up at the top, but I do see. I see your hand, thank you, thank you. And I will, and I promise, I will pray for you. And in fact, why don't we all pray together now? Would you repeat after me this prayer? And if you're praying this prayer for the first time, meaning it in your heart, I wanna promise you that God always answers yes to this prayer. Repeat after me, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I know I'm a sinner, but I know you sent your son so I could be forgiven. Forgive me my sins. Give me new life. And I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Can we celebrate those who have given their hearts to Jesus this morning? Would you stand with me now to receive your blessing for this week? And would the altar prayer team please come to the front? After the blessing, before you leave, if you need prayer for any reason, we have a team of folks who's coming to the front right now. They're standing here ready to pray for you. And if you raised your hand, 
don't leave without coming and seeing one of these folks at the altar. They'll pray with you and we have a gift for you as well that will help you in this new journey. So to receive your blessing, lift your hands, lift your hearts. May the Lord bless you always with what is important and sweep away the fixation on the urgent. Give you such peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, happy Sunday, everyone. We'll see you Wednesday.